work through it here. Depending on where I stand, it may or may not work. All right, here we go. Okay. Hey, um, aren't you thankful for the fact that God loves the world? I sing that a little differently this morning. I sing that a little differently this morning. Those that were on the team probably sing that a little differently this morning. Um, God loves the world, and I'm thankful today for his love for us, but his love for everyone and the way he extends his grace and mercy um, everywhere. It's good to be home with you today. I want to extend a big thank you to um, Pastor Travis, Pastor Brent, all the staff, everyone who helped uh, in our absence last week. We were able to join you, believe it or not. Our, our hotel had uh, limited internet service. It was a little bit choppy, so either Travis was stuttering or the internet was given in and out, but we were able to, to watch and be a part of the service here last week. That was a joy to our heart. And we were able to go and worship there a couple times on Sunday with a couple of different churches. And so it was a great day. But thank you so much. Pastor Nathan has said it, but we all uh, felt your prayers and are so thankful. It's evident from the moment that we left home that God was with us. And we know that that was because you all were praying for us. And so we just want to, I want to say thank you. Let me just take a moment uh, before I dig real deep here this morning to catch everyone up on what brings us to this point this morning. Some of you know this story well, others may not or maybe have forgotten parts, but a few years ago, um, our um, uh, missions coordinator in Honduras, Jason Courtney, uh, he and his wife visited our church here, probably been uh, three or four years ago now. A group of teens from our uh, church had been on a district team that had went to Honduras, and uh, Jason asked me at the conclusion of that service, I can still remember where we were standing back there in the gym, he said, do you think, Pastor, that your church would ever be interested in partnering with a pastor um, uh, or, and a church in Honduras and just developing a partnership and helping one another? And I said, well, help me understand what that might look like. And I remember his answer. He said, well, I'm not quite sure. He said, That's not, we're not really doing that, but it's just come to me that this would be really a great thing that could help your church and, and help their church as well. And so um, we, uh, over the course of the next couple years, had these conversations about what that might look like. And, and you might remember late last summer, Pastor Nathan and I took a trip, uh, the two of us, down to Honduras of solely for the purpose of beginning to meet with pastors and churches and, and just try to figure out what a partnership might look like and which church we would want to partner with. Uh, when we went down, we had in mind that we would partner with one church. When we came back, we realized that it was God's intention that we would not partner with just one church, but with a whole zone, a zone of churches, seven churches, uh, uh, six pastors, a ministry center, a vocational ministry center there. It was just so clear that this zone worked so well together, these pastors as a team, that we could possibly uh, partner with them and learn a lot from them and hopefully be able to, to help them in some different areas as well. Um, we recognized during that trip that uh, not only were we to, pastor, or to partner with this zone, but we were also uh, trying to figure out, okay, what would be the first step? What would that look like? And so there was one pastor and, and one need that seemed to rise to the top throughout that week in the conversation, and that was um, Pastor Hector and the church uh, Nueva Esperanza, which simply means New Hope. New Hope Church. Aren't you thankful there's New Hope in Indiana and there's New Hope in Puerto Cortez, Honduras? Aren't you thankful for that? And, and there's new hope for the world. And, and this church, um, they not only have a church there, but they also have a school that ministers to 80 kids every single day. And, of course, um, with our ministries to children, that began to really resonate with, with Pastor Nathan's heart, with my heart. And we thought, boy, the DNAs of 
our churches are a lot alike. This might be a good place to start. And so the pastor began to share his vision with us, and his vision was that the church would, that the, that the church, but also the school would be able to expand. But at that point, they, he said, we're just, we've maxed out. We're using all the space that we have within our walls. You see, everything down there has a wall around it. Uh, any house of value has a wall around it, any, any church, any business are walled because, because people are so desperate that people will, will, will steal. And uh, you just can't have anything without a wall. And he said, we have property beyond our wall, and what we would like to be able to do is move the boundary of our wall so that we could, that we could expand out farther on our property. And so, um, as you know, that was, um, that was uh, uh, what we decided we would do, is we want our, our first project to be build this wall to enable this, this church, this school, to be able to expand and make a deeper difference in their community right around them. So as you know, many of you, over the past year, as we've been making plans from that point to this past week to try to get there and go and begin to build this wall, we just couldn't wait. Like, we just couldn't wait to, to do something to make a difference. And so uh, you know, if, if you've been attending, that one of the things that we came back with as well, a way that we could make a difference right, you know, right now before we ever go back was to, to build um, benches that would turn into desks so that churches could use existing structures that they already have, the church facility itself, to be able to teach kids within those, within those buildings too. And so um, you remember, and I think, did I throw some pictures in, Daryl, of the, of the benches? I may not have here. Yeah, there they are. So these are pictures of the desks that you um, helped to pay for. Um, the ministry center there built them, but I just wanted you to see um, them in the, in the church. We worshiped in that church, and there's probably some pictures there on Facebook, and you'll see more pictures. My, my synopsis of this today is this much of a huge story. So um, I'm, I apologize to the team members for not doing it the full justice this morning. But you can see the different ways they were used in the church. They're benches, they're also tables, and you can see they pull them outside, they eat on them. I mean, they're using these things all the time. So what a huge investment and they're so thankful for these in fact they want some more just to warn you um, pastors that have seen them are going hey you know what we could do this and this and this if we would have these and so they're making a difference and I just want you to say thank you on their behalf they were great we were also able in the meantime between last fall and our trip this year we were able to send some funds down to help um, the church we attended on Sunday morning was Central Church they have a new pastor who just moved into their parsonage we were able to send some funds down ahead and help them with the repairs of the parsonage to get ready for the pastor so we were able to do that all these things were done from a distance right in the meantime as we partnered with this zone making a difference without even being there much has been accomplished in just one year and I just want to say thank you thank you for your prayers thank you for your giving thank you for uh, just saying yes when God has prompted you many of you have sacrificed to give I want you to know this morning I've seen it firsthand it's making a difference can we celebrate that this morning and just give glory to God for what he's doing right there Well, we left last Friday, early, early, 3.20 in the morning from the parking lot here at the church. So the team of 15 went, and I think we've got a picture. There's the team uh, that went, that left with us um, to work um, there at the church. And um, um, much, was much was accomplished this week, and we give God praise for all of it. Um, we'll be sharing probably on a Sunday evening coming up in more detail. I'm going to hit some high points this morning for sure. 
about what was accomplished. But to do that, I want to share with you a passage of Scripture. Um, the Lord laid on my heart a few weeks ago a, a series of devotions for our team this week, all coming from the book of Nehemiah. If you're familiar with the book of Nehemiah, and you might turn there with me this morning if you have your Bibles. If you're familiar with the book of Nehemiah, you know the story about Nehemiah. Nehemiah um, takes... Um, Nehemiah takes his place along with the rest of the nation in exile um, in Persia because of disobedience to God because they haven't been living the way that God would have them to live the nation of Judah was conquered by the Babylonians carried off as slaves the city of Jerusalem that once was a beautiful city with beautiful temple and walls all around it that has now all been torn down the city lies in ruins and many of the people are now Slaves. Nehemiah was one of the people who found himself far from God and far from home. He is now cupbearer to the king of Persia. All right, he's now waiting basically on the, the needs of the king, of the, of the enemy king who's ruling over this whole area, including the city of Jerusalem. And as the story unfolds, Nehemiah, one of his friends, makes a, a journey back to the city of Jerusalem. And then he comes back, and Nehemiah asks him when, the, when his friend returns he, said, returns, he says, hey, tell me about the city of Jerusalem. What did you find when you went back? And his friend begins to share that, that it's, it's really bad. He says the walls have been broken down, the gates have been burned with fire, and Nehemiah hears this report, and his heart is broken. His heart is broken. He, be, he just becomes extremely burdened because he hears about the condition of the city of Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah, as soon as he hears this word, he gets down on his face before God and he begins to cry out to God. Isn't it amazing how that when our heart gets burdened for something, that we turn to God for help? Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit that works in that way? burden Nehemiah's heart and so as he begins to call out to God he, he calls out to God and he says God my heart is burdened but I need you to know that I realize why we're why we're in slavery the reason we're here is because we've sinned and so he calls out to God and asks for God to forgive him and to forgive his family and to forgive his nation for what he has done but his prayer doesn't stop there he also begins to pray that God would use him to restore this city of God once again and he realizes that in order to have peace in his life, he needs forgiveness. But he, in order to have peace in his life, he also has to say yes to what God is speaking to his heart. And so in chapter 2, after he prays this beautiful prayer in chapter 2, he has a chance to share with the king all that, that is burdening his heart about the city of Jerusalem. And, and the king offers to help. So Nehemiah, after this quick prayer... He begins to share with the king, this is what I need. This is what I need from you in order to, to lead the people in rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem and make this city great again. And as we talked about that, if you think about it, as we talked about that, we were there to build a wall around a, a church. Nehemiah was going back to build a wall around Jerusalem. But as we began to share devotionally, and I won't be able, to, obviously, to share all of it with you today, across the week, God used these passages in Nehemiah to speak to our hearts and I can't share all of it with you but I just want to share a few things with you this morning and correlate the story of Nehemiah with some highlights from the week and I've kind of just said these are lessons I've learned again there's some things we learn from God that we learn over and over and over again at least I have to because what I found is things that I know to be true sometimes begin to fade in my heart and in my life, and God has to kind of awaken my soul again to the fact that he really is a God 
who is able. So I want to share with you some lessons I've learned again this week. In order for God's will to be accomplished, here's one lesson. We have to make peace with God. When Nehemiah hears about the condition of Jerusalem, his heart is broken and he begins to pray and he calls out to God. And here's, here's his prayer, just part of it. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 6. Here we go. I'm jumping in the middle of his prayer. He says, let your ear be attentive. He's praying to God, obviously. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant, Moses. Nehemiah confesses before God that, you know what, we haven't always got it right. In fact, God, recently we've got more wrong than we've gotten right. But Nehemiah also realizes that as he confesses this before God, he also is reminded that God's promise is just as true today as it's ever been. He would go on to pray, God, I remember your promise. Your promise was as if your people would return to you, if we would come back to you, if we would ask, Lord, that you would bring peace into our, li into our lives, into our family, into our nation once again because you're a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God of love. Aren't you thankful that in thousands of years things haven't changed? His promises are still true, and he's still a God of love and mercy and grace that will give us peace if we will return to him. He wants us to live in peace today. I want you to hear that this morning. If your life is in turmoil, if your heart is heavy burdened, if you feel a load of weight on your shoulders, God wants us to live in peace, and we can bring those things before him Nehemiah knew the only way for things to turn around for the nation and for his life is if revival started in him. He doesn't wait for anybody else. He simply goes before God and begins to call out to God. The Spirit of God has a way of laying heavy on our heart until we open our heart to him and say, God, I want peace in my life. The Spirit of God has a way of doing that. I know this week... My desire, and I sense the desire of the whole team, was that God would work in us, that God would speak to each one of us individually, that we would leave Honduras different than when we went there. We wanted God to work in our hearts and life, and we all needed to hear the voice of God speak to us in order for that to happen. My prayer, my prayer was that we would all live, that we would all leave at peace with God. That whatever maybe we took with us there, that there would be a lot of things that we would leave besides our dirty clothes, right? That we would leave a lot of things in Honduras that maybe God's been dealing with for a long time. And it was amazing to me how that over the course of the week, in different ways, in different settings, through different people or different environments, the Holy Spirit began to speak to one after another, after another, after another. Some would come to me personally and just say, Pastor, I want you to know that this particular situation, God helped me there. This was something that happened, or maybe it was in a group setting where we were testifying and someone would share just about how the Lord had spoken to them that day. It was amazing, but it was also confirming that we have to be at peace 
with God in every area of our life if we truly desire for his will to be done in us and through us. Can I just tell you today that you can never carry out God's will for your life until you come to peace with things that are standing between you and God. And everybody said, right? And that's applicable for us all. Whatever God's will is for you today, you have to be at peace with him. Nehemiah was willing to come to peace with God before he began to do the will of God. And when we do that, we will see God work through us in ways we never thought possible. So to see God's plan unfold, I was reminded this week, we've got to live at peace with God. But I also learned and was reminded again this week that we have to trust in God's provision. Once Nehemiah's heart was at peace with God, the past was forgiven, but he is still so burdened with the condition of Jerusalem that as he comes before the king of Persia, the king realizes that he is sad, right? I mean, he sees it on his face. He, he can tell that there's something wrong. And so the king asks Nehemiah what's wrong with him. And so he tells him about the city of Jerusalem and what he'd heard about that. And so the king responds to him with one simple question. He says, what is it you want? Nehemiah, what is it that you want? In other words, he's saying, Nehemiah, what can I do to help? What can I do to make a difference? And the first thing that Nehemiah says is this. He says, king, I want you to send me, which I could talk a long time about that. You know, sometimes in our life, we, we know that we're burdened about something, but if somebody else would just go, we would be really glad, right? Somebody needs to do something about that. Nehemiah says, no way. I know what God is speaking in my heart, and the first thing that I need you to do, King, is I need you to let me go and make a difference. Send me. But he doesn't stop there. He realizes that there's no way he could do it without resources. And so Nehemiah, he lays out this plan and he asks for resources. He asks for timber from the king to make the gates. He asks for traveling uh, permission to get where he needed to go and all kinds of other things. And you know what the king does? The king gives him everything he asks for. The king gives Nehemiah everything that he would need in order to accomplish this task. In fact, if you read that, through that chapter, what you'll find is that he didn't just give him what he asked for, but he gave him more than he asked for. Can I remind you we serve a more than enough God today? We serve a God who will go before us and provide more than we, than we need. He, he wants us to live at peace, and then as we live at peace with him, he will provide for us every step of the way. And when we live at peace with him, he's going to ask us the question, what is it that you need? What do you need to do what I'm calling you to do? And we have to answer that question. When we arrived there in Honduras, thanks to God's provision through your giving, all we needed to build the wall had been ordered. Most of it was on site waiting for us to begin the work. But what we, what we discovered is, and what you might imagine is that as soon as we got there, we quickly ran into some problems that could have forced the work to come to a stop. Now remember, we had one week, right? So if we were delayed a day or two days or three days, you can imagine how that would push back what we would be able to accomplish. The first thing that we ran into, and I'm going to show you just a few of them with you really quickly. The first thing that we ran into was, was one side of the property where the wall was supposed to go was basically a mixture of concrete and gravel driveway. And then there were a bunch of trees. Here you can see part of it. Um, you can see, uh, go back one there, Daryl, if you would. 
Oh, right there. You can see that the driveway that's there, that is like shale and concrete and gravel. And we started working. We spent five hours, I think, um, there on Saturday morning picking around on that thing. And we realized we will, if we've spent all of our time here, we wouldn't be able to dig through it. And then just down from there, they cut down some trees. There were big stumps in the way. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And we're, we're thinking, how are we going to get this? Um, then, the next picture you can kind of see, it's beautiful there, but there was a 90 to 100% chance of rain every single day. And when we got there, and I looked at that forecast, and I'm thinking, oh no, you've got to be kidding me, right? 90 to 100% chance every single day. How would we be able to get the work done? Well, then once we started digging, we had, a, we had a neighbor of the church who began immediately almost disputing the property line. He said, that property line isn't in the right spot. It's supposed to be over toward the church more. And so here's a picture. It's hard to see a little bit, but that's what they're doing right there. They've got people there. For, the surveyors are there. The neighbor's there. And they're disputing where we're doing the digging. And we thought, how in the world is this going to work out? And then there was a truck driver who was scheduled to deliver sand. And we were, we were using some sand that was left over from another project to mix the concrete. But he was supposed to deliver the sand. And, and they, were, they called and said, hey, our trucks broke down. We're not sure we're going to be able to get it there. And you can imagine that without the sand, there's no way that you could mix the concrete to do what you needed to do. The work was just beginning. And the enemy was attempting to stop the work. Nehemiah faced the same thing. In fact, it was interesting that the day where the enemy fought the hardest, here's the passage of scripture from Nehemiah that we read that morning, Nehemiah 4, 14. It says, after I looked things over, the enemy was coming against Nehemiah. I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord God who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You see, Nehemiah, right before this, had realized that he had been given authority from the king to come and accomplish the task that he had been given. He had been commissioned by the king to do the will of the king. In other words, no matter what the enemy tried to do, Nehemiah knew his mission and knew he was there to accomplish it. The work was not to be stopped. You see, one thing that we realized last week is this, that when God began speaking peace to our hearts, the next thing it seemed like he spoke is that this project was not our project, it was his project. Can I remind you this morning that we're really good at taking ownership of stuff. We're really good at taking ownership of God's stuff. We say things like, it's my family, it's my job, it's my this, it's my that, it's my this, it's my that. Here's the reality this morning. When we live lives that are surrendered to God, it all belongs to Him. The good things that happen, God gets the glory. The difficult things that happen, we can say, you know what? I'm not in this alone. God, you're going to have to give me the wisdom and the help and the provision that I need because it all belongs to you. Nehemiah knew this wasn't his job. It was God's. The enemy was defeated on the cross 2,000 years ago in our case, right? And we need to treat him that way. And so we did. We started treating the enemy like he was a defeated enemy, even though these problems began to mount. For his will to be accomplished, we have to remember that we have to seek peace with him, that we have to trust in his provision. But we also have to remember that prayer must be lifted. Prayer must be lifted 
again and again and again throughout the story of Nehemiah. If you would go back and read the first few chapters of Nehemiah, what you're going to see is Nehemiah prays. A situation comes, Nehemiah prays, Nehemiah prays, Nehemiah prays, Nehemiah prays, Nehemiah prays, over and over and over and over again. When things would happen, he would call upon his God because he knew the project didn't belong to him, and he knew the project really, even though the king had commissioned it, it didn't belong to the king. The project belonged to God. God would help. He would provide. And we began to follow Nehemiah's example. Began to pray. Our mission coordinator, we had a meeting with him, with Jason, and we, we told him that he come and saw the driveway that was so packed that we were going to have to dig through. And his response was, I see the problem. And, and you need a, you, you really could use a piece of equipment but he said, we don't typically rent equipment for projects for a couple reasons. One is that it's normally too costly and it's really, really, really hard to find a piece of equipment. As we began to pray for that, and believe me, we were praying. And all the team members said, amen, right? We were praying for a piece of equipment. We found out that a relative of a church member, a relative of a church member knew a guy. You know, sometimes it's good to know a guy. A relative of a church member knew a guy who might be able to help. But there was still this property dispute going on, and, and, and we were praying about that, getting this line figured out, right? And so on Tuesday morning, they finally were able to get the surveyors there again, and they checked it all, and they got the line figured out. And within like 15 or 20 minutes, wasn't it, of them saying finally, yes, this is the right place, within 15 or 20 minutes, this piece of equipment showed up. Brandon Roll said these words, I, I, work, I work in a place where diesel, Caterpillar diesel engines run every day, but I've never heard one sound so sweeter. <laughs> Is that about right? I mean, God answered prayer, and within 45 minutes, they had dug that entire trench down that side. 45 minutes. And guess what it cost us? Less than $13. U.S. dollars. Do you believe that? All we had to pay for was the fuel. And, the, I, I was going to share all this, but, and the neat part was is that this guy worked for the municipality. Like he came on his lunch break from doing work for the city to come and dig this trench and then back to the city he went. I mean, God provided in a miraculous way. And we know it was because we were praying. Can I remind you this morning that God's will includes his provision? There was a 100% chance of rain every day. As I shared with you, 90%, 100% chance. It would rain at night. In fact, there were some mornings when we woke up and it was raining so hard as we were getting up and we were thinking, what's gonna happen today? And by the time it was time to leave to go to the work site, the rain had stopped and we were able to go and work. Every day there would be days when it would cloud up. It might sprinkle a little bit, but it didn't rain. There was one day when we needed to work as late as we could work. We were trying to get as much done as we could get done. And literally, we just finished, we pulled the tools, and we got in the van, and as we're pulling away from the church, I mean, it cut loose. Now, I don't understand it all, and I don't know what this does to your theology, but here's all I know. I can just report it. Somehow, someway, it did not rain on us when we worked. And I'm telling you, it, it, it's hard maybe for if you weren't there to understand, that was a big deal. It was an answer to prayer. We were mixing the concrete 
and um, with some leftover sand that was left over from a previous project. And here's how they mixed the concrete all week long. We mixed it on the ground by hand. And um, we have to have the sand to do that. And they were mixing this batch and going around and getting it done. And literally, there, were, there was just no more sand. We were going to have to stop at the end of this batch. And this is just how it works, guys. I'm just reporting it, right? Literally, we were finishing this mix. And this happened. Like, the truck backs in. The sand gets dumped, right? I mean, that's just what happened. I mean, that's God's timing, God's provision. The neighbor, he, um, he was pretty irritated on one side. Uh, by the way, if you go back one picture, if you would, go back a picture there, Daryl, the one before the truck. So the guy with his back to you here, that's the neighbor on the other side of the property line. I called it the tale of two neighbors. Like, he jumped in, and he was out there that one whole day, really, that whole afternoon, he was mixing concrete with us. The other neighbor, um, you can go head back now, Daryl, jump ahead. The other neighbor on the other side, he disputed that line all week long. Um, Wednesday, he came back again with a different official from the municipality. And um, literally, uh, the rumor that we kind of got back through was that they felt like that there was a possibility that maybe he had bribed them to come and and get them to move the line. And, um, and so the discussion began to get pretty heated. And we had a lot of work done already where we were. And the thought of having to redo all of that was kind of weighing heavy on all of us. And so someone, we were, some of us were standing back away from kind of on the other side of the church. And we, we kind of, our work had been called off. They said, hey, wait until we figure out. And so we were standing there. And somebody said, you know, we just need to go to prayer right now, begin to pray. And so those of us that were there, we got in a big circle and got down on our knees outside there before God. And we began to all just pray, call out to God. And so when we got finished, one of the people who was praying with us uh, was the contractor from, from the church there. And when we got done praying, we all got up and, um, and he said through translation to us, he said, I know by faith that God is going to take care of this. And he said, let's get back to work. And by faith, we started working again. It wasn't too long, and Jason, the mission coordinator, came back to where we were, and he shared with us, he said, um, he had no idea that we had prayed. And so he began to share with us kind of what happened in that meeting. And someone said to him, you know, we were, we were over there praying for you. And so they were talking about the, about the time that we were praying, and so that was discussed. And so Jason told us, he said, the first half of that meeting, it was all going toward the homeowner's side, like... They were literally going to just do what they wanted to do and steamroll the church. I don't know how else to say it. And he said, but about halfway through our discussion, it was like something just changed. And he said, the, the man from the municipality began to say, you know what, but the church is right. And they began to talk. And by the end of that conversation, instead of moving it, what sounded like was going to be feet, I think they just moved it a few inches. Uh, and didn't cause us any more work. And Jason said that all of that changed about the time that you guys began to pray. Now, I don't understand it all, but this I know. We serve a God of provision. We serve a God who is able to help and able to provide. God is for us. He wants his will to be accomplished in us, and he will provide what we need. What is it you want? That's what the king asked Nehemiah. What is it? that you want. What is it that you need to accomplish my will, says God, in 
your life. Now, we know that God isn't this vending machine where we just go up and we say, I want this, and that God's just going to do it every time. But here's what I do know. When we are walking in his will and we're desiring to do his work, he may not work it out the way we think he should every time, but God will always provide and do what he promises he will do. And we saw that in new and fresh and real ways. The key, the key to his provision is prayer. The key to peace in our lives is prayer. The key to provision is prayer. We left with hopes of, uh, left here last week with hopes of completing this wall and bringing you back pictures of a completed wall. The reality is that we didn't complete the wall in the way that we had hoped. We were able to get the foundation dug. I think we have, I think I threw some pictures in there. We were able to get the foundation dug. On one side, the entire foundation is poured. It's ready to set block. The other side, the, 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 the main foundation is poured. It needs a, I don't know what they call it. I couldn't think of the word. But another foundation kind of uh, on top for the block to go on. But the hardest part of the work was completed for sure. Um, there were enough project fun funds left over after we'd purchased all the materials, got everything on site. There were enough project funds left over to do another project, small project for the church, and to help someone in the church community who had a very serious need with their home. We had enough funds left over to be able to reach out and help them. God's provision was abundant, right? It went much farther than we thought that it would. And prayer makes a difference. I'll say this, we didn't maybe accomplish all that we'd hoped, but God worked in us and around us that I know far exceeded my expectations. And I think I can speak for the team and say God did things that we never dreamed that he would do in us and around us on this trip. We all came back different. None of us will ever be the same. And it's because God has brought a new peace. I'm speaking for me. God has brought a new peace into my life. God has made me much, uh, much greater aware of his ability to provide and do what he wants to do to, to get his will done. And the key to that is prayer. Calling out to God, asking him for help. I was reminded that if God can do it for Nehemiah, he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Last year when we cast the vision for this partnership, I'll close with this. Last year when we cast a vision for this partnership, you might remember that we gave out little prayer cards, and um, they look something like this. I sh should have had a picture for you, but they look something like this. Um, you might remember on this side, it talked about partnering and different ways you could partner. But one of the things that we talked about that all of us could do was to pray, and we had the names of the students of the school listed on the back of the card. And I know many of you took a card and you had a name that you've been praying for for the entire entire year. There were 80 students, and so many of the cards were duplicated so that we could get cards in everybody's hands. Well, over this past year, um, I've been praying for Beatrice Arietta. That's who I've been praying for. And I got to meet her this week. What I found out this week is Connie and Denny had been joining me as well in praying for her. Um, and so this is Beatrice. Isn't she, isn't she just beautiful? Um, it was awesome to meet her. And then I said, could you tell me a little bit about her? And so the lady that runs the school, she began to share Beatrice's story. She said when Beatrice was between one and two years old, her parents were killed in front of her in the home that they live in. 
she said that um, Beatrice being so young um, didn't have any other siblings and so her grandmother took her in so she's she's grown up living with her grandmother who is elderly and um, she said that um, had it not been for the church had it not been for Pastor Hector who even though the grandmother did not go to his church when he heard the news of what had happened he reached out to this lady in the community walked with her through this tragedy I can't even begin to imagine this tragedy that she went through and so when it became time for Beatrice to go to school the church was there they enrolled her in the school my understanding is probably the the tuition was very, 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 very discounted, or she may have even been going for free. The grandmother told us that um, the grandmother told us that that Beatrice has changed completely since she's been going to school. That, as you can imagine, because of all that she'd been through, she was very aggressive in her behavior and her demeanor. And that since she's been there at the school, it's like things have just begun to change. She said, "God's love has been poured into her." That was the translation. And she's changed a lot. Regina and I um, were invited to come over to their house. Um, and so we went to their home, and I think I've got some pictures. Um, this is meeting with the grandmother. There's the grandmother there in the middle um, that's raising her, and we're standing there in her home. Um, excuse my uh, sweaty mess there, but that's just how it was. Um, that's the grandmother. Are there pictures of the, of the home, Daryl? I can't remember. This is the... the yeah, go back there. This is the path that leads back to their to their home. You walk down this path, and then this is the this is the home that they live in. Just to give you a picture, I would say that that's pretty common in the area where the church is and the people that they're ministering to. Um, as we talk to the grandmother there in her home, now keep in mind that we have the language barrier. So the grandmother is sharing with Jason, but she began to share so fast and so much. Her heart was just so full as she's sharing with us. Like, think about this. Her daughter had been killed. Her daughter and son-in-law killed in, in the room in which we're standing. And yet her heart is so full of God's grace and his love and his mercy that she's talking so fast that Jason just started laughing because he thought, there's no way I can keep up with her trying to translate this. But here's the reality. He didn't have to. You could tell by the smile on her face. You could tell by the look in her eye. You could tell by the things that she was saying. We'd catch a word every now and then that God had been faithful and so good. Later, Jason told us that she said, God is my provider every single day. She said that she was, after they had been killed, she went to work at a hotel to try to just provide what she could for her and Beatrice. But it wasn't too long into working there that her health began to deteriorate, and so she wasn't able to work. And so for the last year, here's what she said, for the last year, God has been providing for me and my family day by day by day. She shares stories about people who would just stop by and bring food just when they were about to run out. And, and really, I could just go on and on, the way that God provided for her. She said, life is hard, but Christ is our source, our power, and our provider. And she went into all of these praises. I couldn't understand what she was praying, but I know this. Her hands were in the air, and she was giving praise and glory and honor to her God who had been with her every single day 
and she knew he wasn't going to fail her now. I wonder this morning, is your heart at peace? Is your heart at peace with God? Do you know this morning that God is your provider? And if you do, what is it that you need? What is it that you need him to do in your life so that you can walk deeper and more fully in his will? I want you to know this morning that our God is a God who provides. If you believe that, say amen. And the only thing that limits us from receiving his provision to walk perfectly in his will is us. We had a great trip. But this morning, I believe God wants to do something in us. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would. Pastor Travis is going to come. and I'd like for you to bow your heads. You know, I don't know where you're living this morning, but I sense God placing this message upon my heart, believing and trusting that just maybe there, was, there would be someone here today who would say, you know what, I, I, need, I need to be at peace with God. I, I need God's provision, but I know there are some things in my life that maybe are standing between me and him, and, and I just need him to do a fresh work in me and bring, bring peace to my heart so that I can receive from him what he wants to do in me. I've asked Pastor Travis to sing through a chorus or two, and as he does, I want to give you the freedom to come and pray and seek the Lord. Whatever the Holy Spirit might be speaking to your heart today, would you come, would you pray, would you seek him this morning?